0: comes ahead on goal and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders.
1: Clear. A foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Moody, The net is empty. By the captain, that is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Costa. Header, goal. Handshake. Holmster.
0: Paul picks it up. Paul's crossing. the oh, Are you serious? It doesn't get much better than this, folks. The Stateside Soccer Show
1: with Logan and Jordan.
0: Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Weigand, and with me today is uh, a man who runs on Duncan, apparently.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is actually a a school shirt. um, I'm pretty sure this is illegal, but... uh, I think it's copyrighted. So Duncan, if you want, you can sue my school. I guess it's a parody.
0: Um, it's a parody. I so guess. I think yeah,
1: does. yeah, because it doesn't have the logo. Really, it just has the font, which is always fun. Like these kids these days, man. They, they find fonts and stuff. I guess it's easy on the internet. I do
0: the same thing. I like. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, I do the same thing.
1: It's wild though. Like, I mean. Back then you kinda of had to guess. Like remember when we had to like guess at like what was the closest font? And then they had ones that looked like Disney and they weren't Disney.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
1: it's just like you could just find it within a second, like what font and then download it. It's insane.
0: You know my first time looking up a font? Do you know what it was? Sansser. It was the Harry Potter font of the oh. of the numbers at the okay. bottom of the thing. Really, I really like the way the numbers look, and I forget what the font is. But it tells you in the book; it says like this font is used for this. Wow. this. But yeah, that was the first font I ever looked at. And if you're wondering why we're talking about font and all that, it's because this is going to be a very depressing episode, and we're kind of <laughs> we're kind of <laughs> avoiding the topic for a bit. But let's go ahead and knock out some of the the pre. Stuff Before we get into the U.S. men's national team, because what we're going to be covering today is the window uh, matches, which were the men's team versus Japan and against Saudi Arabia, the last two friendlies before the World Cup. So I wanted to say before we get into that. The giveaway for the Panini sticker album has been completed. The winners have been notified and I'm in the process of sending that out to them, so congrats if you are one of the two winners of the panini giveaway. Um, okay. Uh, let's go to something that was announced today. The Rose Bowl game. So, okay. Since we're going back to 29 teams and an unbalanced schedule. Unbalanced meaning like n- not in the sense of what it usually means, right? A balanced schedule usually means you play every team twice. Unbalanced in this sense means that we're going to have some leftover games for teams in the same conference. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you're going to be playing the same team three times, which is not typical uh, when we have even number teams. Which means LA Galaxy and LAFC will have an El Trafico three times in 2023. And because of that, LA Galaxy is giving up one of those games to host it at Rose bowl and is trying to fill that stadium up and at least break the record, which I think is 69,000 people for an MLS match. It can fit 90 K. I don't know if it'll fit 90 K, but uh, it's going to be, I think pretty cool. Uh, so the season, this is going to be their first game of the season, by the way. So I love that El Trafico starts off the season That's great on February 25th. So we kind of already know a date, Logan, that we have to have all our previews done by. Yeah. So I I think what that means, because the World Cup is going to end right before Christmas, I think that means we're probably going to have to do um, multiple teams in a preview. I don't think we're going to be able to do one team per episode like we've done in the past just because that's only giving us eight weeks to get it done and enjoy the holidays like i'm not we're probably not putting an episode around christmas so just forget mm-hmm. that <laughs> uh so really that gives us maybe six weeks if we start it the first week of january so we're probably going to have to reshift some of that to do like three teams a preview so there's that Okay, let's talk about the actual soccer side of things, though. And El Trafico in the Rose Bowl to open up the season. In the ad that they took out, they have the Apple logo, because we know it's going to be on Apple. I would assume this is one they're going to try to get on the linear TV as well. But what's your thoughts, Logan, on kicking off the season with El Trafico in the Rose Bowl?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I was just confused because I I didn't know that LA Galaxy was in the Big Ten. Um, Yeah, he was very, Logan's very, yeah, I'm I'm distraught. Uh, No, I, I, like, I don't know, I'm, I was more in the thought of, like, I just hope it doesn't uh, underwhelm, you know what I mean? Like, I I hope they do feel it, I hope it does get the attention that it deserves. You know what I really hope? I hope the LA Galaxy adds somebody of star power, because you're going to have Gareth Bale there, I think, and uh, essentially you know I, I think lafc has the firepower to draw in international fans and other fans in that area i'm just hoping that the galaxy make a big splash this summer just so uh because I, I think they'll fill it up pretty well but i think it'll be even better if like galaxy i'd go out and add uh you know one of these you know special talents that either are european talents that are coming over after world cup to play or whatever it might be um I think that would be pretty interesting. And I do, I think LA is on the verge of being that team that goes out and, and makes a big splash because they haven't in a little bit. Um, with Chicharito still kind of there, I do still feel that they're kind of just stuck and LAFC is going to get all the firepower. But man, could you imagine Jordan if Galaxy go out and get somebody that just has a huge resume that goes along with uh, LAFC and them playing out there? It'd be nuts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, the promos have been all focused on Chicharito. Mm-hmm. And if we can think about this, LA, Southern California, very heavy Mexican national right. team fan present. So what I would assume is we are going to have uh, some of them try to pack that stadium, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Now, it is an LA Galaxy home game, which means they still get more of the seats to sell they're doing a limited number for LAFC and they're trying to figure out what that number will be. Cause they don't want it to be 50, 50, right? But it should be darn close to that because you want as many LA people in the stadium there, you know, mm-hmm. if you can fit 90 K, if you can have 30,000, uh, LAFC fans and then the rest LA galaxy and neutrals, like that's a pretty good ma- match, I think. Um, I just hope it is. I just hope it gets close to full, you know, but I think it's cool that we can kind of open up the season on this. And I think they should do more of this where, and by the, you know, by the way, this is like a product of the fact that it's an uneven schedule. Like we said, my thought is they should really try to open up the season with these type of big games more often. We don't get that. How many times do we look at the schedule and say, Oh, the first week is kind of bare. Mm -hmm. why is rivalry week always in july and june what are we doing why (laughs) can't we have like the opening week be like all these big matches to get people in stadiums get people tuning in right off the bat i think that would be a better deal than waiting um uh than waiting
1: yeah i agree i mean why not and have Toronto play Austin because there's a lot of firepower there? You know, start creating some of these battles that you just don't get to see very often, especially interconference. Like interconference is more fun, I think, just because you don't get to see a lot of them often. Like you, you don't have to worry, really worry about them in the playoffs. So you don't really get to see them in meaningful games in the postseason uh, unless you make the MLS finals. So it, it just, it, it really is. It's, it's interesting that MLS. Doesn't have like that marquee because every every sport, even college football, who usually start out with cupcake games, they have that big primetime game on Thursday and then Saturday at like noon for that first week. um, They just have that big huge game. Uh, NFL does the Thursday night game with the Super Bowl teams. Um, So, yeah, I I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you, though. Like, I, I think having it one of those teams and then having them play up against, you know, a, a challenger that maybe, like you said, maybe finished second in the East or whatever it might be, or second in the West to have those big marquee matchups to get people interested. Because once you get people hooked in for a season, it's like a TV show. They're hooked in the rest of the year. So I don't know. It, it it is interesting that they haven't done this as much, and now I mean that ad is so cool, Jordan, with the rose, and it's got the two teams on that like almost like gray page uh, that LA had, I think it was the LA Times had posted. So mm-hmm. yeah, they bought cool. out an ad space for it. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: So talking about interconference and rivalries in your conference, Nashville is going to be very confused. <laughs> Who is Nashville's rival? Well. Next year, we'll figure it out again because they are going back to the Eastern Conference due to St. Louis taking their spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Now, this is probably new for you, Logan. Not so new for me. Right. There was a time in, what, probably 2011 to 2013 where Houston and Sporting Kansas City were flip-flopping from the East and the West every time there was a new expansion team we've kind of avoided that recently because a lot of the expansion teams have been very East or very West until now we're kind of starting to get more of these central teams like Nashville, St. Louis. So I'm sure it's frustrating for Nashville fans. And it's a little frustrating for me because we've been talking about, okay, now they're in the West. Here's what they got to do to compete. And they're going to be going right back over to the East now. And I can see as a new team, Fans probably being like, you know, we haven't had any time to even build a rivalry Mm -hmm. yet, right? Because we were in the East for two seasons, right? One of those years was a COVID abbreviated season. And then where fans couldn't even really be in anyway. And then you go to the um, West where they're playing all these tough teams and they're doing well. They're in the playoff hunt right now. And then they're going to go right back to the East. I'm sure they're probably actually ecstatic because you're going to get to an easier Eastern conference than you are in the West. And you know what? St. Louis is probably praying uh, that they would have been in the East, but uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on the flip-flopping here for Nashville again?
1: It's just hard to get established as a fan. I would think like you you're flip-flopping back and forth between the conferences And then who knows what's going to happen when they add two more teams. Like, uh, like I, it just seems that MLS is, it's not done growing. So you just, you can't get comfortable. I mean, this could end up putting somebody else in the Eastern conference in a, in the Western side or the Western side on the East side, because they're going to add teams and continue to do so. So, yeah, I mean, it's gotta be tough as a fan, just because you're so used to having those conference rivals. And then now they're going to throw you back in the East and, I I don't know. I I mean, I imagine that Nashville will be most excited about the fact that I think the East is more wide open. Um, So I think fans will enjoy that. And it's less travel. So I I think the organization will like it. But you can't just keep doing this to fans. I think there needs to be transparency. Um, I think with MLS too, I think for a long time, this this league has been trying to figure out who they are. And until we really get established, I think it's going to be hard for fans to watch this league and and we've talked about this multiple times uh, eventually i think it does get to a point where like expansion of dp spots expansion of tam and gam maybe elimination of tam and gam depending i mean it it really is it's it's a it's a league in flux and i think it works for now just because it is younger but i mean soon you've got to establish uh, a rule because i i think so many people are traditionalists when it comes to sports i think people want i think people just want the to know what's going on. Cause now you add, so like if you take for instance, MLB, they add more wildcard teams or NBA where they have the weird playoff game playing thing. Now, like it, I don't like that kind of stuff. I like,
0: I have to always are... update my dad with like what rule changes. Have yeah. Happened. It's annoying. You know what I'm saying, because right. you know, I'm like, Oh yeah. They add another playoff team. He's right. like, That's dumb. You know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Oh, here's the new overtime rules for mm-hmm. college football or whatever. Right. Yeah that kind of stuff where it gets, yeah, for, for this, it's very, you know, you're trying to, I think where it really detrimental, right. Is that you're trying to grow a new fan base. A new city is having a team when, when sporting and Houston kept flip-flopping, they were established teams. They've been there, you know, for a while when you're having a new team and they're like, yeah, and guess what? They're probably having, like, they had, like, some good matches against Austin. They had some good matches against Seattle, you know. So like, that where they're like, yeah, you're our new rivals now. And then they're like, actually, we're back to facing Chicago, and uh, Chicago is, like, their closest rival, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point. Or maybe, like, a Florida team. I don't know. Like, what's what's going to be the closest for a Tennessee team? Yeah. But I'm I mean, just trying to imagine, like, putting myself in the spot of if you are a, like, I'm a Ravens fan or whatever. I, I don't like the Steelers or the Browns or the Bengals. And then if you just drop me in the AFC South, I'll be like, Colts and Jaguars? I mean, Right. Yeah. I mean, there is bad blood between Baltimore and the Colts because they left Baltimore. But <laughs> I didn't pick the best uh the best con the best division to put them in. Right. But then you're like, oh no, now I have to learn to hate these teams. And then they're like, you know what? Actually, you're going right back to the AFC North. And you're like, okay, now I hate these guys again. Like it can be really jerky back and forth, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's do this to make it a little easier. Let's take a quick break. We'll put in a little ad here and on the other side of the ad we'll get real hot and steamy about this uh U.S. Men's National Team window. Alright, we're back from our break, so let's let's get into it here. Let's talk about the U.S. Men's National Team as they prepare for the World Cup, because, Logan, here was uh, Berhalter's comments after after the match. It's over. We are screwed. Actually, no, that was just all the fans. <laughs> uh... They played against Japan. They lost 2 0. And Japan looked really great, by the way. They were pressing like crazy. They knew what they were doing. They they forced us to turn the ball over. What, fifty sometimes in our half in the mm-hmm. first half of the yes. game. uh there was not a lot of fans there. There was not a lot of fans there today. It was games in Germany and Spain, you know, featuring none of those teams. So of course. Uh, not really a draw while Nations League is going on. But importantly, they got to play some games away from home, which we haven't been able to do a lot lately. So then we got to uh, Greg's comments after the match and before the Saudi Arabia game, where he said, there are five starters out of this camp. So some people, for whatever reason, kept thinking he meant Pulisic, which... Pulsick was in the camp and he was going to play today. So I don't think he meant that. I think he meant, uh, what, Miles Robinson, maybe Michael uh, – maybe Chris Richards. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're looking at um, Anthony Robinson. Uh, Who who else was missing? I'm assuming – yeah, waya, uh, and I'm assuming one of them is is Zach Steffen, yeah. because by his own comments, when uh, according to Meg Swoonic, uh, if you follow her on Twitter, uh, who, who was in the press conferences, says that Berholter's assessments both times he was asked, which was right after the Japan game and right before the Saudi Arabia game, he said Turner was fine. You know, the best player on the pitch was fine. Uh. And we've kind of talked about this before where we think Greg is going to be taking and starting Stefan no matter what. Like we we're pretty much, and I think most of us men's Twitter at this point is very Turner is the number one, but I'm not so sure Greg sees it that way.
1: I don't think he sees it at all. Like I, I I've, I'm in the boat and in the camp of thinking that, because of his ties with Zach Steffen, he is his number one. And unless Zach is hurt, he must see something in Zach that he that he likes way more than uh, Matt can ever do on the pitch. And I think it's distribution of the ball, but you and I are, uh, old school in believing that the keeper is there to keep the ball out of the net. I could care less how his distribution is most of the time, Jordan, because our center backs are not those kind of center backs that build from the back anyway. And I know we'll get into this long winded uh, rant, both you and I, because I'm in the belief that this system that Greg believes he needs to play is not the system that works for the players. And now you have a collision of, I do think now, and you're starting to see it with some of the antics on the field, which we'll get into. Um, I don't know if you saw that part, but um, it really is. It, it's it's a system that doesn't work with distribution. Like that, we are not a man city. We are not uh, a, a distribution from the goalkeeper like an Ederson who can distribute the ball a lot better than Zach Steffen can, and not to mention Zach is not a better uh, shot stopper than Matt Turner. So I don't get it.
0: Yeah, uh, Greg is all about system, right? Here's another tweet uh that he said here was uh he'd rather peppy kind of look like a good striker in our system than score five goals mm-hmm. i'm sorry what i don't know what i means. i'd rather uh Pepe look god-awful out there and score five goals <laughs> that is the thing no how many times logan have we seen ronaldo Messi, mm-hmm. any of these good players have awful games and then out of nowhere boom there's a goal mm-hmm. now they have a hat trick and you're like well they were just playing like crap mm-hmm. it doesn't matter as long as they put the ball on the back of the net you know and we'll get to more of that i'm just kind of focused on right after the japan and right before the saudi arabia because yeah. i have a lot to say about what he said today um but yeah, there you go. That that's his comments as he's looking at like he wanted personality. He said to show up in the Saudi Arabia game. I don't think we got that either. Now I couldn't really watch much of the Saudi Arabia game. I was in the office today. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, was not able to watch any of that. And we came. I came right home and we did this. So, not even able to like watch it on demand. You know, before we did the podcast. But from what I hear on all of the places is that. We weren't looking good. So let's go ahead and talk about that, I guess. Uh, Nil-nil. And, uh, you know, I saw some clips of Aaron Long on Twitter looking terrible, (laughs) uh, which is par for the course since his injury at this rate. Uh, Gio Reyna left injured, kicked the ball out 30 minutes in, subbed himself out, which, by the way, then people were like, oh, yeah, this is planned. And it's like nobody kicks the ball out to say – Oh, this is a planned sub. They would just wait until the next time. And then they confirmed it was tightness in his hamstring, which is fantastic, Logan. Right. Fantastic that that's what we're going through again with Reyna. And I don't, you know, put any bad thing on him or anything. It's just he can't catch a break, and we have to now operate as if he's not going to be healthy enough to rely on Right. Think, at this point. So get your backup squad ready. For whoever you have second underneath Arena, because they're they're most likely gonna have to play. Maybe not, maybe he'll be fine for the World Cup, but I mean fair share. He's whoever his backup is is going to be playing more because of just his injuries. Here's a tweet from Max Bretos after the game. By the world by the time the World Cup rolls around. On November 21st for the U.S. men's national team, their last goal scored was June 14th by Jordan Morris mm-hmm. versus El Salvador. We didn't score at all this window. We went uh, 180 minutes without scoring and only putting two shots on target. We'll talk about the strikers in a little bit. Now, Greg is not going anywhere before the World Cup. Players looking disinterested. Pulisic not you know, dapping him up or whatever, high-fiving every team member except Greg. That's not, he's not going anywhere. All right. But he shouldn't be the manager past this. And I even said that I've, I'm pretty sure I said it on the show. Yeah, he, he did win yeah. the world cup. He, he shouldn't be back. Right. Because the, the messages get so dull for the same manager after a four year span. I mean, look at what Germany did. They won it in 2014, and they were god-awful in 2018, Mm -hmm. and they still look pretty pedestrian today. But they kept their manager after winning the World Cup, and they went nowhere. And I feel like with the international game, it it just gets stale after a bit, and you need that new blood. And anybody that's saying, does anybody miss Jürgen Klinsmann like I'm seeing on here? Hell No. (laughs) All right, Klinsman, if you're complaining about Greg having a system that fits (laughs) – Jurgen was playing players in the wrong position. He had a mutiny in the locker room that ended up getting him fired, and the reason he was fired is because they were close to not making the World Cup. And guess what? They actually didn't make it that year. So no, I don't want him back. There's more answers than just Greg and Jurgen Klinsman. So let's get over that. Anyway, Greg's not going anywhere. So, can't the players just do whatever the hell they want on the field? I'm tired of everybody not blaming the players, too. Okay. Because these players have to step up. They have to, if they look disinterested, they have to get over it. If they don't like Greg, they have to get over it. And the reason I'm saying that is because this is for your country, this is for the World Cup. Put on the jersey. Get on the field and just play. Just play good. Ignore all of his instructions if you need to. We know Pulisic will do that. He didn't listen to Thomas Tuchel right. when he scored that yeah. goal for against Real Madrid. So do that again. You know, like, can't they all just be like, yes, Greg, we understand. And then get on the field and be like, let's play to our strengths. Who's going to stop them? If we win 5 nothing? is Greg going to bench all those players next time? No, because he looks like a genius if we win 5 nothing, So, I don't know i know that's unrealistic but i'm just like play with some goddamn heart mm-hmm. and do something
1: it it um the japan game i get i i understand that that one was a lot of youth uh running up against a team that is always well oiled machine uh like i said i mean you run up against these teams, Jordan, like Japan, and, and they're those, those kind of teams. They have that are very just...
0: good stats for away from home, too. Japan. Yes. They, yeah. They, yeah. And they're
1: they're organized. They're well coached. They're disciplined. And that is a huge uh, – I mean, that's those are ingredients for a disaster for a young team. So uh, that pressure that we're feeling, uh, that that was – I think that should have been expected. While, yes, we did not look great. We kept giving the ball away. When we did not give the ball away, Jordan, we were competing with Japan. So, I mean, we're competitive with these teams, but I, I do. I think if you're going to play the U.S. men's national team, I think Japan just gave you the roadmap on how to beat them and beat them soundly is to pressure them because, again, young guys are going to make a lot of mistakes, and especially in a system where these center backs – like I, I love Walker to death and I love Aaron Long, but I, I, they're not guys that like you play out of the back with I, – I, I'm not somebody that likes to play out of the back unless you have very talented center backs. Like you have to have probably, you know, like a Van Dyke or you have to have a Ruben Diaz or you got to have those big guys in the back that just know how to do it and are okay distributing the ball and and able to do it with ease. Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long are just not that kind of person. Like I I just don't see where they are those kind of people. Um, Plus, it also relies on you having. A, a very good midfield, which at times, or or midfield's good, but then there's times where they just disappear as well. But it's, again, it's it's more of this system that they're having to play in. And And like you said, I think it, it goes down to, is the U.S. is going to play well if they stop playing? And it's going to be hard to do, but they need to try to get away from this, like, f- this system that Greg has kind of played in. And I, I don't know if that's possible for Greg, because Greg and you can probably read off all the stuff that he said after the game. It's pretty much like, this is the system. They need to learn to play in it. And we're not going to have success unless they play in it. And it just, it just doesn't fit our guys. Like it, it really doesn't. Brendan doesn't fit in the system. McKinney doesn't fit in the system. Uh, Christian doesn't fit. weya doesn't fit. It's like, what, at what point were you, are you Greg and you look at the team and go, okay. These guys are attack minded guys that like to go on the inside and create from the inside spots rather than trying to kind of like create from down the side where we, you know, we're trying to cross balls in and create and have possession all the time. It just doesn't seem like that. We seem to be more of just let's just attack, attack, attack and let Brendan and Christian and Weston and, and Timothy just create and then out of those chances, just pick off balls that are just dropping in the box. So. I don't know. I feel like Greg's much more possession, and this is not a possession-based team.
0: Well, you're 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 right. What the issue is is that, and I've, managers do this all the time. Is they try to fit the players to the system mm-hmm. instead of fitting your system to the players. Right. So this will sound dumb, all right. But when I play FIFA, right. And I choose a random team, Mm -hmm. Harrogate. I work with the squad that's there, and I bring in players I want, but I I don't have the funds to turn over 11 players. Guess what? In the U.S. men's national team, this isn't Columbus Crew. You can't go find players that fit your system. Mm -hmm. These are the players. Your your U.S. eligible players are the players. So what do I do when I'm playing FIFA? I just have to play the strengths of the players I have. I usually rock with whatever formations already there. Unless if I find out it doesn't work for the team. So what I'm equating that with is obviously not saying FIFA is real life, hmm. but do the same thing. Greg Realize that these players, if if you have to keep going over, he said something about like, they, they knew the definitions they were going over stuff, but they didn't seem to get it. And yeah. I'm like, you're making it too complicated. Go out there, kick the ball, hit it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. How hard is it? Why do we, uh, and it drives me nuts. And I've been saying it on stoppage time before we kind of phased it out. Right. <laughs> is you should be able to have a backup plan. Yeah. And what was his reasoning for not bringing in Pethok? Well, we already know what he does and we wanted players that fit the system. No, I, I said this about Liverpool, right? Sometimes you just need a a player that can change what position the game is in, right? So like right. you know, Matt would say, like, uh, they don't need like a, a tall, like just striker. Right. right. A striker striker, you know, that they like playing with the false nine. And I'm like, well, maybe if that's not working, you need to go a different route. So I would love if I had that backup plan, right? So if it's not working, then you have PFOC and you say, guess what, guys? We're going to put him in up top. You guys are just going to cross that ball in a million times, and he's going to win some, and he's going to score goals. We're going to go route one football here after, after it fails. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be.
1: It, it's Erling Holland. Uh, It Pep took Erling Holland, and if you watch City, and you've watched City, and you've watched them for long enough, they don't play the same that they did. While, yes, they're still possession-based, They now have to play with him making runs through the midfield where Kevin usually was. So Kevin has to adjust to that system. The wingers are actually trying to find the ball more central and trying to create coming back towards Holland or creating over the top to him because he's so large. That's what you look for, and I I agree with you. I hate when people go, he doesn't fit the system. It's really, when you think about it, the only sport that that is so stubborn and the way that things work that they're unable to change you change with your personnel and i and that's the hardest thing And that's why so many coaches get fired and in multiple leagues is their uh, unwillingness to change based on who they have you can't change who you have most of the time right throughout the season and especially national team you have a pool of players you can't change that. You can't go buy a, Ren- a Ronaldo or Bernardo Silva or somebody like that. Like You can't just go buy somebody to fix your problems. So you have to have the fix internally. Well, Jordan, I think the fix internally is we're very good at having those guys isolate on their own with a defender because Pulisic can create, Brendan Aronson can create, Timothy Weah creates, Gio Reyna creates, McKinney creates – but it feels like they're just so, like, he wants them to just pass, 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 possession, possession, possession. When these guys, I think, are all more so, like, I mean, maybe it's a better counter-attacking team. Like, sit back, smack them in the face, and then take off running with it. Because you've got so much speed with Pulsic and Aronson and McKenney and Weah. Like, you've got so much quickness in youth. Just let them play. Like, at this point, if you're Greg, you go, all right, guys. What do you think we should do? What's for, what's wrong with that? He seems so like – I hate to say this because he seems like a nice guy, but it seems so arrogant in the way that he coaches. Like, oh, no, 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 this is this is the right way because it's my system. Why not sit down with your players and go, all right, let's have an honest conversation. What do you think would work best for your player, like your teammates?
0: Yeah, how do you like <clears> to <throat> play, right? Right. Um, the, where do all those players create, Logan?
1: I mean, they're all creating in the midfield, I think. They like create it...
0: at their club. Right. They don't create well, yeah, here. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. Right. Greg was fired from Hammurabi, right? That's what everybody shares, the same picture all the time of the MLS.com yeah. article. that says, Greg fired for sight of a lack of offense. What have we right. noticed in this team lately?
1: There's lack no of offense. offense.
0: We were doing great uh, at the end of qualifying and into the... Summer window, for whatever reason, we've regressed. Uh, And guess what? It's very deflating. (laughs) It's deflating because this is the last window before the World Cup. We don't get that whole summer like they do in a summer World Cup where we get to uh, play games in the buildup to the World Cup. We're going to go right into it. The next game is the World Cup, and that's something that's very scary. What I was hoping from Greg, too, is, you know, last the Japan game, he had timed substitutions that he had already pre-planned. I was like, can't we just act like this is the World Cup? Act like it's the World Cup and make subs as you go to adjust mm-hmm. to the game. Don't be promising people pre-minutes or whatever. These right. are your last two your last two things. His whole thing now is, you know, Hey, we're uh, maybe they'll feel a little better when they're in the world cup because there's no more spots they're competing for. They're in the world yeah. cup. Well, maybe we should already have been deciding who's in the squad then before these last two buildup games then. I, I don't know. Like if that's what's in one, if you're not able to handle the pressure of playing for your spot, then I don't think you're somebody that should be on the team.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I... Why Why did he I, – I, I had no idea that he had said that he didn't want to bring PFOC in because he was trying to see what else was out there that fits the system better. Like, why does he it – was,
0: It wasn't word for word. It was yeah, uh, but like pretty it, clear. But, yeah. yeah. He doesn't it's, rate him, I don't think.
1: No, and it's experimental. Like, why is he – why are we running 18 or 19 players out there right now? Like, I, I get trying to find depth, but it's – Jordan, it still feels like he's preparing – for what's to come rather than like trying to really just hone in on the thing. Like it, it still feels like he's in flux about everybody like CP 10. Like I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if like Christian ended up on the bench for some of these games at this rate, like it just seems like he's toying with things just to still see if things are going to work. Like a coach is trying to figure out what's going on in the middle of this match. Cause he's like, well, you know, I haven't really taken the time to really figure out what this system is supposed to look like because, and I'll give I'll give him some leeway and the fact that we've never really had a window where everybody was healthy. I'll give him that. It's very difficult when a lot of your guys that you're really going to rely on aren't healthy all the time. But this is just, I don't know, it just seems like he's trying to tinker with things way too late in the game. And he's going to get in the World Cup and he's going to bomb out, crash out, because we have a tough group. Iran is very good. I watched him play today some um, in highlights uh, and after school. And they look fantastic. Wales, if Gareth Bale plays well, they're they're gonna and England, even though they're not playing well, they would just stomp the US right now. So they just played
0: pretty well against Germany. Yeah, uh, I mean they were they a bad been. first half and then they came back and drew, um, even had the lead for a bit. Here all right, here's their last away from home. Okay, away from home in their last eight games, they've had no wins. Okay. And guess where the World Cup is not in the usa not until 2026 uh what do you mean it's not (laughs) (laughs) the the u.s men's national team have one win in their last seven matches against teams that are going to the world cup they haven't scored in the other six okay nil nil saudi arabia oh two to japan oh oh to uruguay uh three nil morocco uh that's the only win uh costa rica 2-0 there, Uh, Mexico 0-0, Canada 0-2. So not great. Here's some of Greg's comments after the game. We're not as confident as I'd like. We're playing tentative. The connections are not like what we want. The intensity and effort was excellent. We need to keep improving. Guess what? You can't really keep improving at this point because the next game is a World Cup game. Uh, the Burhalter said the game was a positive step for the group, but wasn't happy with the execution.
1: So, what what is the positive step that Scally ended up being better than he thought? Like, is that his? I think his he just takeaway? means. I
0: think just means the intensity.
1: You can play as hard as you want, and, and but it does not make up for the lack of ability to coach or make adjustments, which he did not do in Japan's game. If you if mm-hmm. you watch that game, uh, Greg. Greg had a tendency when we were playing well to make at least some changes in the half. If you watch that Japan game, it was like they were shocked that they were going to keep pressing them in the second half. I was like, Mm -hmm. what do you think they were going to (laughs) do? Like, layover? Like, I I don't – it just – it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I'm excited for this World Cup because the U.S. will be back in it. And I'm hoping they just kind of honestly just ignore Greg um, because I I really am looking for – and this is sad, but I'm looking forward to 2026 – because he won't be here anymore. Like it so just... you
0: think. So you think. Right,
1: right. Exactly. Could you imagine if he had success and they keep him? Like, just a little success and then he does the same crap next I'm, year. What I'm worried
0: year. is a, is of no success and they keep him. Ugh. I Look, think this is a place, this is U.S. soccer. They ran on changes for the new thing. We've seen not a lot of changes. We've had... So many, uh, one, Greg was hired because of his brother, right? Yeah. He's no longer there. So you're like, oh, maybe that'll be fine. But I don't know. Maybe he gets along with the other people. Maybe they're not thinking this looks terrible. I don't I don't know what their thought process is. What do they see as a good thing? If we get out of the group, is it enough to extend? Is it we bomb out and they say, we believe in his system and we're going to keep it and get them ready for 2026? I hope not, but I I don't have faith that they'll make the right decision. Um, uh, here's another quote from him. There's not many players that performed up to their normal levels at camp. Anyone you'd ask about, I'd say they performed below their normal level. Asked if he got clarity on anything in camp. He said he had they followed up with him and he said things. So, I'm assuming he didn't want to get into it on the thing, but I hate when Coaches are vague like this.
1: Because it, it either shows – like, if you're vague like Bill Belichick, at least he knows what's going on. When you're vague like Greg, I think it's literally because he doesn't know. Like, I don't think he knows what he, he's figured out, except the fact that Zach Steffen he misses and longs for. Um, and then Aaron Long is not it. Uh, and Joe Scali, I think, is a really solid option for your uh, – the your left back or right back spots. Like I really do. I think they found some depth in behind Jedi and Serginio, which is good because both of them have struggled with health at times. So having Scally play as well as he did, man, he looked good. Um, and what a time to show. Cause I do think this solidified his spot on the roster. Cause I think they'll take him with uh, as some backup for some of those defenders, but uh, they found nothing in the attack. Is that what he found out, that, they, that they're that they just not going to score goals?
0: Well, here's scary, all right? Why the hell are we not playing Sargent when he just refound his form? <laughs> here's why. Apparently, Burhalter mentions that Ferrer came in because they were looking to win the game, and Jesus gave them the better chance than with Sargent. Says that giving Sargent uh, 45 minutes this camp was not ideal, but it is what it is.
1: I don't, I don't understand. It's like, he's mad. It's like he, I don't know. It's like he, he's almost waiting to react to the press questions. Like that's what he's, he play, He coaches the game. Like he's in the press conference. That's what it feels like. What,
0: what drives me nuts, Logan, is this has been the weakest part of our team since yeah. Dempsey left, right. right? We've been wondering well, who yeah. is going to take this position And we just recently saw Pifak make a move to the Bundesliga and score for a team that's in the top of the Bundesliga. And we're like, great. Yes, he had that awful miss in qualifying, but uh, he's starting to do it at a higher level now. Mm -hmm. Pepe makes a move to the Eredivisie, gets a goal and assist, and gets caught up. Which is fine. I'm glad to see Pepe doing good. Uh, Farah is still doing things in MLS. We talk about it every week. Sargent, somebody that we haven't have heard from in a while, starts going off and scoring when he actually plays as a striker. And guess what? He gets called in. And guess what? He plays 45 minutes out of 180 and doesn't get a start. It's that kind of stuff that is just, Why? Why, why aren't we giving, giving him more of a chance? Why isn't PFOC in here? Why aren't we, when the players are finally scoring, why is it all of a sudden they don't fit the system and not form based, which is what he's been ranking everything on before? So, why is that switch happening now? You know, um, people have shared articles with him saying, Uh, going into the World Cup is going to be based on form. And then we get there and Pepe gets called in and Jesus Ferrer gets called in and they get starts and they get, uh, you know, chances to come in to win the game. Jesus Ferrer doesn't score that much for the U.S. men's national team when it's not El Salvador or, you know, Guatemala. Why aren't we giving Sargent a chance when he has scored for the U.S. national? He's really just struggled at Norwich and he finally got... Goals at Norwich. So, it's just... It felt like we finally started getting answers of, okay, it should be Sargent and Pifak, and then Freira, then Pepe last, I think is the order I would go in right now. And, I don't know, maybe even Freira last. But I I feel like that's kind of like where you're looking at the top four. But no, we're not not going with that. So, hell if I know. (laughs) But... I just feel like we finally were getting answers and then it's like, no. And then the whole time when we had the goalkeeper debate, which I'm sure Greg never actually had that debate, but we did. And we think, okay, we finally found him. It's Matt Turner. And then he's like, he's fine. So I don't know (laughs) at this point what is going on, why we can assess PFAC in the Mm. few times he get chances, but, we have to keep running air Long out there. We, we, you don't have enough on him to say he's fifth option, right? And try somebody else. That's the. I mean, Zimmerman looks better when he's not next to Long. So we can't have both of them there. It'd be Zimmerman with Miles or with Chris Richards, and and there and you go. That's yeah. be it.
1: And eventually, that's going to be Eric Palmer Brown, I think, or Mark McKenzie. Which, which still shocks me that neither of them too, yeah really of them neither of them have really got to run. I don't want to see Aaron long like I, I'm sorry but <laughs> and, and then you have John Anthony Brooks who that's never been clear as to what happened there. so something clear I I'm starting to think Brooks was like what the hell is this and Greg didn't like it like that is really what I'm starting to feel. And, and John is a professional that does not want to say or talk about it because he knows the problems it could cause. But uh, I'm, I'm like, why? Why on earth? Did, he wasn't playing that poorly for us. Like, he fell a little bit out of form where he was. But
0: he right. really only had like two bad matches in a qualifying right. window, and that was right. it. We never heard from him again. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm Here assuming like something blew long, up at that point. Right. We're a month away from. Ramping up to get everybody fit for World Cup stuff, like where Greg's going to start going to games and making sure people are fit and ready to go. When he starts making those calls in a month, and we're sitting here with it, with a hope and a prayer that Reggie Cannon stays healthy. I don't know, like <laughs> it's like, and that never happens. So, uh, call Matt get in. Let's do it. Just call him all. Tim in. Ream. Tim looks good you. for Fulham right you. now. Call him in. At this point, play three in the back, throw all the attack forward. Let's just let's just go nuts because Jordan and and I read the men and Blazers. We've waited eight years for this, and we're going into the World Cup in the worst shape we've been in under Greg Berhalter, and that is saying a lot.
0: Where are the where are the goals going to come from? We can't create. We can't finish. When we do create,
1: if Brendan, this is the squad savior. that goes
0: in, if this is the squad that goes in, I'm I'm perplexed on what we can do
1: do you think we well, make the group stage if we continue to play like this or the the round of 16 if we play like we... maybe
0: i'm a maybe i'm a dolt but i voted on a poll today and i said we're getting to the round of 16 and that was after this game and the reason why is cuz i do think when the games are on the line the players are going to feel a little bit more up for it Mm -hmm. And they're going to figure it out. I have to think that because for so long, I know that's where I went wrong with Kova, right? Because they they did not do that in 2017. But all my life, when the game is on the line, we had that spirit, that American spirit of, we're going to try our asses off and we are going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And I have that's my faith right now. We've done it in the nation's league final. We didn't think we were going to win that game after going down a goal and we came back and won it. Now, again, that's here, right? Even our biggest accomplishments have been here at home. That's the scary part for me. So I don't know, but I think I would like to think we can get out of this group still that the players will speak up. And I hope, I hope that Greg will put us in the best position to succeed. And what I mean by that is picking the best 11 and that the talent will outshine the system and the tactics. That is, the, that is my hope for the World Cup. I'm still going in optimistic because I've waited eight years for this. I'm not going to dread it. Even if we get knocked no. out and we lose three games, I'm still going to try to enjoy the World Cup. And at that point, I'm sure he would be fired uh, uh, three straight losses. But if we like just miss out on points, I'm worried that they'll be like, oh, that's fine. But I'm not going to root for us to lose. I saw somebody saying like, like they were happy to see the results because of Greg. And I'm like, this is, this is dumb. Like no, yeah. I can't ever root against my team just because I don't like the manager.
1: Right. They're my favorite team to root for. Like, <clears throat> yeah, like it, it really, really are like it ever, even when I was not huge into soccer, like they were my favorite. It was my favorite time of four years. Every four years I looked forward to this competition just because it, it's pride. It's, Like you could actually rally around it. You could see people happy. They come together. It was just a cool moment. And then growing up, watching it, you know, two World Cups that we actually played well in. Like it it is. It's like, man, it's so cool to be able to rally around a team like this. Um, I do think a couple things, and we don't want to always just speak on the negative. We can speak to some of the positive brendan aaronson's playing extremely well with leads i think that'll continue and so is tyler adams i do think when time comes and they have this roster we have two budding stars weston mckinney is one of the better midfielders and syria um, which is fantastic and i think also it speaks volumes to how good eunice musa might be like it, it really does speak volumes when he's not there it was like this team is a shell of itself. And if you really do look at the way Eunice played in the last window, he's the reason we qualified. He's the reason why we've kind of made it this far. And now, man, you, you've got him at a young age where I do think that this kid along, along the side with Weston and alongside uh, Tyler and a healthy Timothy Wea and Brendan Aronson playing as well, then I think we just score, just not even in the system. I, I think that's the, that's the part where I think we do have some highlights coming up, but I do think it's tough to look at it right now and think anything positive because of the, I mean, just horrible window we've just gone through. And maybe that's what this team needed. You know, I, I, I you can always speak to like, man, this is not good. They're going to, they're flat. They're going to the world cup with no confidence. These might be the guys that go, you know what? This can't happen. We can't do this. Like, this is not acceptable. And I'm hoping that, and I think with the guys that we have, I think this is the case. They're looking in the mirror going, yeah, this, ain't, this isn't going to happen again. Like, we're not letting this happen. Not this time. Um, we're not going to go embarrass ourselves. So I do. I think they've got the guts. I think they've got the guys to do it. Now it's just it, – but it does. Isn't it bad when you have to, like, look at the lineup and go, oh, God, here we go, because he's chosen to do something stupid. It's like, are you serious? Like, what, what is that? So yeah. I don't know. But – I think there are a lot of positives. This is still a really good young team.
0: Yeah, and this is really where it shows that we're missing that generation, right? Yes. We, we're relying on all these young guys because yep. there there was no good generation. That's why we failed in, in COVA in 2017. They
1: it's weren't our... taught how to lead in this competition. You're right. This is a right. really good point. So,
0: this is like something that is if we had even had like three players that were like late twenties to early thirties that were world-class, like we're not world-class, but you know, like at the level that all of these young players are at, then they would have experience. We'd be, they would be picking people up and being like, Hey, this is what we got to do. Our captain is, you know, Pulisic he's like 23 years old. This is where (laughs) where we're running into it. You know? He's having a really tough time at Chelsea right now. And it's going to be time to uh, hopefully he he's able to put on a good performance at the World Cup, make a move in January, and then we'll be set and start looking forward to 2026 here in the U.S. New manager. The players have experience from being on a World Cup stage they're getting older by the time that the world cup comes around for them pulse It could be like 27, uh, 28. And even players that are like what 18 now are going to be 22, 23 years old. So, I mean, we are on the path for 2026 to be the big one. You know, it just, I, And I I see people saying like this one matters a lot 2022 because it needs to get soccer big here. And it's, you know, get momentum after losing momentum when we miss 2018. And I'm not so sure that's the case because 2026 is the, is the one that is the one that's going to get people into this team that are going to get this sport on the map a bit more than it is here. And we could we could lose all three games for nothing, and I, th- I swear to you, twenty twenty six is still going to be a big deal. It's not like people are going to be out on that at that time, you know.
1: I think this World Cup is like honestly, th- you know how I want this to play out. I want this to play out like we go out there and just freaking dog people, like just make it so uncomfortable for people. Maybe run up a really good game against England. Like I, that's really what I'm hoping for. Like making it a 90-minute game with England, whether we win, lose, draw, make it a 90-minute game with them. And and I think if you compete with the big boys, because really, Jordan, think about it. Like, we haven't played, like, those big teams yet. You know what I mean? Like, these are good teams like Japan. I like think we played Sweden at one point way back. We played – did we play uh, – was it Scotland or Wales? Which one was it that we played over in Ireland that one time? Like – Scotland, I think. Yeah. But I mean, like we haven't played, you know, like a like a Germany or the, you know, uh, Spain or anybody like that. Like, I think with the big name, the big countries, once we start to compete with them, this team's confidence goes through the roof. And I and I do. I think that uh, I think we match up well with some of the teams that we've drawn. So I, I think that's another thing like. There are just some teams you just don't match up well against, and I said this to my kids that were watching the game in school. They, hear, I said, Japan is like our worst nightmare. Being young and inexperienced, with this team running down our throats, and they're good on the road, and we are not. This is the perfect ingredient to just have us run through, and they did. They took advantage. But that being said, like I said, when <laughs> we had, oh gosh, scare me. When, <laughs> when we had the possession in our half. Jordan, we actually looked decent. We just couldn't get it to the position in which we needed to convert those into good goals and good chances. But I will say there were moments there in that first game. The second game, not so much, which is really the one that's like, ugh. So, yeah, I'm just hoping out of this group that we just – we do. I, I think we I think we have a good shot to finish second. I'm not too concerned. While the panic meter is at like a four or five right now just because it was our last big warm-up, I'm not – putting too much stock in this because this team is so unpredictable right now. And that's the case with a lot of young teams. They're roller coasters. You you sometimes are really good. And sometimes you look like you couldn't win another game if you tried. And you and I go through this with our baseball teams, especially now they're young. There's times where, man, it's a lot of fun to watch them. And then there's times like what in the world is happening? So again, it it takes patience. It'll take time. And in two months, these players are going to be a lot different than what we've seen in September. That's how, that's how much maturity uh, is kind of thrown at you in this sport in two months. I mean, we could see a whole different Brendan Aaronson than we've ever seen before.
0: I hope so. Um, all right, let's. Uh, th- there was one MLS game in hand result, which so far is Galaxy beating the Quakes three two, and uh, Seattle tonight versus Cincinnati. So we'll be talking about that next time we get together. For that, I'm trying to just look at the standings real quick before we get out of here. I know it was a long one, is a ranting one. You know, this is what happens when we do it almost immediately after the game. Um, all right, so the, the, the that moves the Galaxy up to fifth, which puts Minnesota two points above RSL. They, they might fall out of the playoffs, which goes back into Logan's prediction on June 30th. We'll see if that comes true as we continue. My climbing. bad. Now, now everybody except Seattle is on 32 games in the West because they will play tonight. And uh, there's still quite a few with 31 in the East, but Cincinnati will go to 32 tonight as well as they face off against Seattle. If Seattle win, They'll be at 42 points. That'll move them up to ninth with two games to go, and they'll be three points away from seventh. It's going to be really tough for Seattle. They probably got to win out and hope some stuff really falls their way for them to get into a playoff spot. Uh, Cincy is in a playoff spot. They're in six with 45 points. If uh, If they win this game, they'll move up to 48 points, which would put them above Orlando, but then Orlando would have the game in hand. Because they both have thirty-one, so we'll see on uh, how how that how that goes. Uh, any thoughts about those games?
1: Uh, I mean, you look at the you look at the table, and, and we're finally down to like we said we're 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 gonna have most teams at thirty-two here by the end of the week. I think it is, um, depending. Um, so I mean, it, it is. It's getting down to one Minnesota. If you're a Minnesota fan, you're you're doing the whole thing where you're going, "Oh boy, um, you're you're sweating this one out once again." Um, with the Galaxy now, like we said, I mean, they're just they're they're gaining momentum, and that win against San Jose, uh, while not like the most decisive win, but a win nonetheless. I mean, they they grab three points, and now Jordan, you look at it, they're, they're all the way up to fifth. Um, with just a point behind Nashville, if they could get home. I mean, they get home field Jordan. This is like a 180 from where we were about two weeks ago with the galaxy. Cause you and I were talking about, could it happen again where they fall all the way out of the playoffs again? (laughs) It's it is. This league is just crazy. Um, The drama, um, the intensity, especially this time of year. um, And now that all these teams are kind of falling into place because of all the games in hand, it just becomes more fun. Um, I think, you know, Cincinnati's got a really good game coming up. So is that tonight where they play? Seattle? Is that? yes Seattle,
0: Cincinnati tonight? Yeah, yeah
1: 10 o'clock. Oh, I might be able to watch that since we're off work. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, this is huge. Uh, I think Cincinnati could grab three points and move into that fifth spot to kind of avoid having to play Red Bull. But, yeah, it's getting – no, it would be Montreal. No, it would be Red Bull. Um, so – I don't know. I, I think the games coming up. Uh, I still kind of want to see them all fall into place so they're all at thirty-two, and then once that happens, man, we can really bust out uh, the playoff. Uh, what is it? Scenarios that could happen, and mm-hmm. really get into it next week on what people need to do to to clinch. So. Oh, this is the most exciting time of the year. I love this time of year,
0: especially now with World Cup on the end of it. <laughs> this is like—I know this, that'll be that'll be very exciting. Great uh, to go right into the World Cup. So we'll have to start our World Cup coverages. Yeah, soon. soon. We're also going to have some uh, little Sporkle quiz offs that we're going to have. You already recorded mine. Logan needs to record his. Yeah. Sporkle, you're going to kill me in
1: all these though. I
0: don't know. There's one I was like, maybe he can win this one, but Man City players. Uh, no, no, no. Oh dang! <laughs> but it's all it's all U.S. based that we'll do, and we'll put some videos up on the YouTube of us uh, testing our knowledge on things like uh, World Cup winners, U.S. men's national team squads, stuff like that. That we'll we'll see on how we do. Um, yeah, so that'll be coming soon. If you want to give us a follow on anything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's all at Stateside Show. You can email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps us up here. I hope everyone is not as down on this team as we were, but I'm assuming for the next 24 to 48 hours, that's going to be the case. And then hopefully you get it all out. Like I feel a lot better just talking to you about it. Yeah. So hopefully... Hopefully, we're in a good spot come November 21st when we kick off the World Cup. I think we'll be all good. Right. I think we'll be good. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff on like you know uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're watching the video. Like the video, comment, subscribe to the YouTube. Like I said, we'll have those sporkle quizzes. Up in the build-up to the World Cup coming up here. Hope everyone has a great rest of their week. We'll catch you next time talking some more MLS road to the playoffs.
1: Jordan, if I get blown away in this hurricane, man, you got to keep the the mojo going for World Cup, right? My dying wish is U.S. men's national team to win
0: the World Cup. There you go. I'll, I'll make it happen somehow. Thanks. Appreciate go. it. For Logan. And good luck finding a co <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All my friends are down there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show. As we recap, the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL, this is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.